Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm the host of the show. I produce the podcast. I'm the guy who was in a coma nine years ago and woke up and I wrote all the questions that I ask people on this podcast. And the person on this podcast today is comedian David Drake. David Drake is just, he's just super funny. He's just a really fucking good stand-up comedian. He writes great jokes. He has a great perspective. We talk about that perspective in a little more depth on the full conversation, which you can always get for all of these episodes on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Marr. If you're able to support the show financially, it means a whole lot. That is the way to do it. If you are not able to support the show financially, but would like to do so anyway, to support it, that is, then tell people about it. Whether you want to do that by reviewing the show, by texting, sharing with a friend, by verbalizing comments to another human being's ear in real time, all of that stuff is great. Also, the Patreon subscribers at the $15 level, those pigeon level patrons get shout outs every week. And those shout outs this week are to Susie Carroll, Fred Fidawa, Katie Llewellyn, Debo, Shuba Singh, John Lee, Barry Fontenot, and G. So thank you to all of them. And thanks to you for listening. You can follow Dave at David Drake Comedy on Instagram. You can go to his website. That's linked in the show notes. He's got a new album coming out in the fall called That's It. And it's going to be a special on YouTube as well. You can find all those links to his YouTube his other albums. He's got a lot. He's just he's a very, like, we, we talk about this in the, the full convo on Patreon as well, about his, his work ethic and his just kind of consistent, like, engagement with the art of stand-up as a way of kind of documenting his life and, and presenting the things that are happening in his life as they happen, as opposed to waiting for the perfect sort of moment to, to to come out to the industry to say, here, you know, here I am, this one pair of glasses, this one haircut is is who I am for the rest of time. He's just like, fuck it. This is who I am right now. I'm going to do an album about it. And I respect that a lot and I like it. And I think you will like his stuff too. So I also hope that you like this conversation you're about to hear right now I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, no, I mean I I've more or less given up on whatever I guess success. <laughs> sure, yeah, totally. but um, but I have found that I mean my love for stand-up is no less than it was, and uh, it's because I keep it fresh for myself, and it's because I've you know, very luckily been able to find other avenues for money that I keep yeah. to keep doing what I do. Um, because I do think if you rely upon stand up for money, that'll change, you know, you might have to do that hour. Uh, like you said, like 10 years before you put it out, because that's like, maybe, you know, the pressure's on to come up with a perfect thing to put out or right. to deliver right. to audiences. Cause that's all your money. Uh, I don't really feel the pressure to deliver. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I also, the thing that I was, that made me think of you, I think you're like one of the few um, comics who, I, I, w- I guess I would say you're one of my favorite reels comedians. Oh, um, thank you. That, that, that there's not a lot of <laughs> comics who have little videos pop up where I watch through the whole thing. And I'm always like, damn, dude, I always forget Dave is like more broken than he appears, <laughs> you know? It's all it's all yeah, it's yeah. all like here's here are the the tra- the first the first track I listened to on the twenty twenty one album that I, I was like, what's gonna give me a sense of like trying to remember specific bits? And it wasn't a thing I'd heard before, but it was just that track called Expectations. 
And I'm just like, yeah, that's, yeah, failed expectations. That's like a thing that I find very funny is like the disconnect between like how life should have been and how it is. (laughs) And to see that presented by a person who's like, I have every privilege afforded to me and I don't know what went wrong. It's just, I love it, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I I think sad is funny, so I and more yeah. and more things are sadder and sadder. So I have a wealth of <laughs> <laughs> sad. Things. Are they more and more sad? What's what's the like progression of sadness? Well, I just think in my twenties, I you know I still thought this everything I thought stand up was was intact. You know what I mean? It was still a a just fair world um, Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. you focus on this one thing, you get good at it. And I thought that, um, you know, if you try really hard, it just kind of happens for you. Now there were also avenues. Like when I started, like there was, you could do late night and that meant something. You could get a comedy Mm -hmm. central presents and that meant something. And there was no social media. So, like everything I hate about stand up has all shown up now where I hate social media, late night, Comedy Central, it's all dead. Right. You know, nobody cares. Um, the way you get big in this industry is like beyond what I, it's not what I'm interested in. So that makes yeah. it hard. But basically, I guess it becomes sad because all the things that you thought you had to do, they all start to break down. The realities of the business start to show themselves. You're like, this is a dark, bad place. Um, And so, you know, that's all pretty sad. And then just the aging (laughs) process in general. Sure. sure, It's like totally a true bummer. Like I, because of my love of this thing, I now have no money and I'm, my knees hurt and I work for this moving company and I'm supporting a daughter. And so it's like all of those little realities um, are sad. Uh, relationships aren't just pure fun. <laughs> There's like tension built in from finances. It's None of this existed in my 20s. And so my 30s, it's like, there's just one thing after the next, which is just like a brutal reality check on like what the rest of your life looks like. So so that's all pretty funny, right? So you're just (laughs) laughing all day, every day. What do you hope happens when you die? What do I hope happens or what do I think happens? What do you hope happens? What do I hope happens? Because, listen, mean, dude, I know you th- – oh, you think, oh, it's over, uh, probably nothing. <laughs> Who gives a shit, dude? Tell me what you hope happens. I I hope I know everything and I'm able to see everything play out. And, uh, and I hope I achieve some higher level of consciousness where I am – you know, where I don't need language or anything. I'm just all, like, vibes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ray of sunshine you... and I'm able to, but I'm able to understand like, you know, I want to know what happens to humanity and I want to see it all like play out. Like that's what you mean when you say, I hope I know everything. Yeah. I want to, I want to see it all, you know, like I want to see like, what is it all? What are the, what are the things you're like, man, I really want to know if blank. I want to know if we like travel the universe. I want to know what that universe is. I want to know if mm. we make it as a society or if we destroy <laughs> each other in mm. nuclear war. But I also want to know all that from the safety of a sunbeam as opposed to something alive <laughs> in the yeah. middle of it. Uh, so I think that would all be really cool. And then once I have all my answers, I hope I'm just like at peace and you know, I don't need anything, want anything. I'm just happy to be the beam of light that I am. Okay. Okay. So there's an active portion and then there's a static 
a a a knowledge gaining portion and then a more chilled out portion. I almost like a ghost, like unfinished business. Uh-huh. I hope that I just clock in, I see how it all plays out the way I, you know, you watch a season of a television show where yeah. you're like, "Oh, cool. All right. So China You want to binge watch everything the out. rest of humanity. <laughs> yeah. I want to binge watch the rest of life on earth. And then I want to, uh, I want to just dip out into the, the sunbeam. Yeah, yeah. Does that? Because you're you're a bit of a of a mushroomy guy, right? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> I think. I mean, I I sent the 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 moment that Cam Gillette mentioned you was a. Uh, was a mushroomy moment. I think it, it was you and I, and I think Kenny DeForest and it was a, like, there was like a waterfall situation. If I'm, we, uh, we all went to Bonnaroo together in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine, uh, yeah, we had a good time and the waterfall yeah. was crazy. We did acid that day. That was day okay. three. So we had, uh, okay. And I do these like little boys trips every year and we have, uh, we go to a different national park and we kind of schedule our drug use very much the way we did at Bonnaroo where we do mushrooms one day, then there's like an acid day and then there's an anything goes day. And uh, that's usually what. Just what me. are the options for anything goes? Do people tend to chill out? I'm just going to smoke a bunch of weed. Is it yeah? Like, sometimes I got this ayahuasca. Sometimes anything goes means nothing is. We don't want to do right. anything. Right. Um, but sometimes it means I'm going to do Molly. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> anything goes is mostly just Molly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no. okay, the reason because so the reason I ask is because beam of light sounds very you know, mushroom acid guy sort of chilled out, but are there any, we can talk about what you think happens. Are there any aspects of those experiences that have colored what you actually believe will happen when you die? I mean, of course. Uh, I mean, you do those kind of drugs, acid mushrooms or like DMT, and you start to, I feel like it does color in a little bit of death. Um, I always feel a deep connection to the earth and the nature. I'm usually on drugs in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) But you can hear like thrumming rhythms and you can feel the earth. And then you look around and you see life flying around you and you realize that life is kind of everywhere. And so I do think uh, that when you die, you know, you are cycled. Everything that you are is recycled basically back into the planet you're on. You know what I mean? Like the body is broken down and you become everything. So I think that when you die, you just kind of become more of this, Um, which, you know, is a little scary, I guess, for me. The I, the thought of I think you lose all sense of self and and whatever. But well, that's what I like to. I mean, that shit terrifies me. It, yeah, it sounds like there's shades of terror terror for you, but not all the way. Yeah, I think this specific thing that you are now. I mean, everything's temporary, right? Like the person you were yeah. when you were twelve. That guy's right. gone. You know, that yeah. guy's already dead. Now that guy is you. you got a gray beard. <laughs> that twelve-year-old would be horrified. To no, know he'd, he'd like it. He'd think it's cool, <laughs> man. He's like, my beard is gray. <laughs> like, he'd be so sad. I'm twelve. No, this kid likes it. You're how are you projecting into this old kid? <laughs> He's turned into a roast. <laughs> I no no no. I like it, and I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think any yeah, twelve year old is, is horrified freaky, right? at the thought of being, you know, approaching uh, older 40. than yeah twenty two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it sounds, but it sounds like 
yeah, there's some there. The idea of losing consciousness, you're not completely at peace with it. No, I mean, you know, there there is this thing that you think you are, and so and you never want to let go. But doing those drugs, I I think one of the main lessons I take from them is is letting go. So yeah. I guess I have one drug trip in particular uh, that I can tell you about. And it was, sure. uh, I was, uh, I was trying DMT for the first time. And so when it's the, it's the only time I've ever done a drug that like actually did what the cartoons said it would do where okay. you see shit that's not there. And was it like the, isn't there like the purple or the blue lady or some shit like some that? people see a purple blue lady. I did not okay. meet a okay. lady. Kenny DeForest says he met a lady. Um, who knows who's meeting the lady <laughs> or why? Right. But I watched my arms disappear. And um, the thing with that drug that's different than most drugs is like you are totally aware. So like when you do when you smoke weed, your brain is changed and mm-hmm, you're like, mm-hmm. I you can't think the same way this drug, your brain is your sober brain is still there, but externally things are changed. So like I'm looking at my arms disappear and I'm like my arm in my head. I'm like, my arms are disappearing. And then it's not a dream. You feel the dream is that you're woken up from a dream. Yeah. You're living in a waking dream basically. Yeah. And so, right. I watched my arms disappear and then I was like, I couldn't let go of that. And then I had a really bad time. So I was like, (laughs) (laughs) because I, you know, I, I couldn't let go of my physical form. And so when you fight drugs, the drugs usually (laughs) fight you back. And so that first time, uh, this thorny tongue rose out of hell and wrapped around my neck and dragged me into hell where I couldn't breathe or scream. Oh, shit. Uh, and that was really no fun. And I was with, uh, <laughs> I was with, um, four other people. I was with Kenny, Cameron, uh, Lisa Traeger, and then, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Steinbrenner. And basically what we were doing is none of us had done DMT. So we all wanted to try, but we didn't know how to. So we basically, we did it one at a time so that in my bedroom and then you'd come out and then the next person would go in and they'd get to choose the music and whatever. And then they'd get to tell everybody what happened to them. And it was just like our night. (laughs) How long is the trip? It's like 20, 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So not it's long. like the it's like the educated adult version of smoking salvia. <laughs> yeah. And you come yeah. out of it and you're totally normal. But I came out of it and I was like real shook because mm. I had just gone through a nightmare and I was totally sober the whole time. And right. then uh, but I couldn't tell my friends that because they there were still people who had to go in there. <laughs> So I was like, it's great, man. And then I went into the bathroom and I was chain smoking cigarettes in my own bathroom. Oh, my God. When did you tell them that it wasn't? Were you like, by the way, guys, that shit was horrible for me. After everyone had done it and everyone had, then I revealed. But then they all left and there was still some DMT. And I was like, I'm going to do it again because I... Because everyone else had a great time. And I mm-hmm. I kind of knew that my problem was my inability to let go of my body. So I I did it again. And this time I accepted whatever was going to happen to me as okay. I was like, all right, just right, I'm just going to kind of let it all happen. And then that time, it was a beautiful experience where I I got to literally a bush of thorns and roses and then i you know the my nightmare from the previous trip and i'm confronted with it and then it shatters and then i shoot up into the sky and i was on this 
like a magic carpet over these rainbow sand dunes. And I saw a bunch of Egyptian type imagery, which I guess is also a popular thing to see. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But night and day. So I do think when we come back to death, the, the letting go is, is important. And I think that's helped me let go. Well, it's cool that you're able to make just an intellectual choice and have it stick like that. Yeah. It's something that like, I, I can, you know, some things you just have a hard time letting go and certain arguments and stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, uh, a thought I have a lot, like when I'm, when my wife says something I disagree with or whatever, and I'm like, all right, I could ruin today or I could just let that slide. And then most of the time that is like the way to go. So I'm able to like kind of tap into just that one day change things a little bit for me where I'm able to kind of, you know, more often than not, I'm able to make a conscious decision to not do what I want in an effort to make my life better or, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. totally. My next prompt is to ask you to relive one memory because this podcast comes from my second one man show, which was set in the afterlife. And in that afterlife, I tell everyone that you get to choose just one memory to fully relive, to like drop down into. It's not that the rest of your memories are wiped. It's just like one memory you get to, it's particularly vivid. You can kind of pop into and out of it like a, like a room whenever you want. Like a few years ago, we were in Olympic and we went to, um, me and my friends, we went to this beach. Um, I can't even remember the name of the beach. But it was, it looked like Mars. It was like low tide and all these, suddenly the beach became, it, it went from like rocky to just like green and full of life. And we're all on acid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's crabs coming out and there's like, there's bugs flying around, but none of them are landing on you. There's eagles in the sky. These deer came down out of the woods. And this is real. Th- these are, this is real. This, those are all real. Yeah. Okay. What was happening to the, you know, the, like, there were these giant rock, I, I don't even know the names of what you even call these things, but you know, you ever seen those pictures of like that beach in Oregon with like giant yeah. rocks that just pop out of the ocean and then disappear? Yes, 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 yes. So there were those and those are like, the waves would crash up against those and create this like haze. And it was like the sun was setting and everything is kind of, you know, like doing this like acid wave. Yeah. And I just was laying there and I could have laid there forever and just kind of watched what originally looked like just kind of this empty beach that turned out to be this thing that was just like the most alive place I've ever been. I could I could just sit in that for, I don't know, a whole life. So that's and that's it doesn't memory. sound like being did did the other people there enhance the memory for you or were they more just like incidental and like and also my friends were there. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean everyone played their own role. I mean, you know, we dip into each other and then back out. So, you know, they left me alone to go, you know, look at it the way they needed to look at it. And then they'd all come back and we'd have bits like and they'd be dumb. <laughs> You know, Joe, my friend Joe, you know, Joe Fernandez. Yeah. So, like, he, (laughs) the whole day he thought we were going to, like, an actual beach with, like, sand. And then this was just all rocks. So, but he's on acid. We get there and he's still approaching it like it's a beach day. So, he laid down a blanket on the rocks and he put on his board shorts and then no one can swim in the ocean because it's just rocks and it's too shallow. You'd have to like walk out forever 
to right. get to a place and it's like dangerous and yeah <laughs> but so he just lays down on the rocks and he's slanted downward and then bugs fly up from the blanket and swirl around him it was like funny uh <laughs> <laughs> totally well, and it sounds like a th- a thing that I'm getting is like there's something – tell me if I'm making too much of this, but there's something about you that likes being an observer. Your your desire after death being just to watch humanity play out as opposed to like be some sort of puppet master or like the, the drug memory isn't like, oh, when we d- – it's like – I got to see these things. It's a visual, it's a desire to watch things unfold in front of you. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I definitely, f- yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I like I like to just lay back and be a almost like a ghost and <laughs> <laughs> like take, yeah. take in the world that way. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was a part of life. Like I felt alive, just like the life around me. But I definitely was just, um, I enjoyed just kind of watching. Yeah, for sure. Is there something to that? Is there some like you feeling disconnected from your life or, or you preferring to take the like, observer versus doer role because you're describing like very active things it's not like you're like yeah i just like sitting on my couch and watching tv it's not that kind of observer but i don't know yeah i mean there's definitely something to that i don't know what exactly to take from it (laughs) but i mean there's a lot of times especially when i work at the moving company where I will do a move on a Friday or a Saturday and I'll park the truck in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And we park the trucks in this really hot hip area. So I'll get out of the truck after a day of work. And then I'm going to take the subway and the train back to, uh, I live in Jersey outside of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's this moment where I'm walking through Bushwick past all these bars and these packed clubs and there's people hanging out outside they're smoking cigarettes or they're drunk and they're you know they're laughing they're having fun it's their night out and i i'm there but i'm not there you know what i mean like yeah i i'm a guy who just got off of work and now i'm going back to my family and i just happen to be in the midst of what could be someone's best the best night of their life Mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. they're going to hook up tonight or they don't know what's going to happen to them. And I'm kind of just there, <laughs> but I'm watching it. I'm not in it, you know? Yeah. So I feel that way a lot where I'm like, um, and that happens in comedy too. Sometimes I'll be performing and I will, uh, I'll be doing a bit I know so well. And then I'm, I'm watching an audience. I'm like, oh, they're having a great time. And I'm thinking about my foot plate, where my feet are. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I'm saying words, I'm being funny, but my thought is I'm swaying a little too much. Or, yeah. Do my hands look weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm most, a lot of my like critiques on, my own comedy is like my body placement. <laughs> <laughs> You're like words, word perfect. Body placement, eight out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Like when I'm doing it, like I'm like, yeah. man, I, am I moving around too much? So, well, the observer mindset feels very good for um, writing jokes and like conceiving of comedy i i mean i think that's the the way in which you uh you deliver your brokenness that i talked about before is is from a kind of bird's eye view like what's the what's the joke where you're like 
moving sorry to butcher your own oh, material, it's okay. but like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're moving with someone and they like make some comment and you're like they, they say like isn't something weird and you're like i think it's more weird that like you and i are both here together that like this is my life is yeah that bit's on the new one that i'll release later this year okay um but that is um i was working with this guy who i'd never worked with before and he was just complaining about his life yeah and he was like he had four kids from two different sex workers and then him and (laughs) all four kids were living in his mother's basement and then uh, he was in two custody battles with both of those women. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day is just complaining about these women. He's like, aren't they crazy? Isn't this woman crazy? <laughs> yes, like, yes, 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 yes. You know what's crazy is that all the choices in your life and all the choices in my life have led us to the exact same place. <laughs> yeah, which is so, man, that joke is so good, dude. It's oh, man, so, like, thank you. To fucking like to get one. there and like, not that not that weaving away from from social criticism is the only point, but to deliver that joke that gets your disappointment across without just being like, "Isn't this guy a fucking loser?" You know, the the, the specific weaving of like all your choices and all my choices, like. You fucking, you're threading a needle there that isn't like shitting on this guy. You know, I don't know. To me, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I like that one a lot, too. I feel like that's like my, I don't know, if, if I had to pit a, pick like a hit single. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I, I love I, I well, and that. So, so the Observer thing comes in so helpful there because you're able to pivot on this word crazy on him going like, uh, you know, aren't these women crazy? And you to go, no, you know what's crazy? And then it's like a camera zooming out to be like, look at all of my past, all of your past, and we're overlapping in this same point. I mean, that's a fucking observer guy mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So I don't know. It Does it just feel habitual from, from practicing that? That that's how you're living in like why you live in that mode so much or is it the reverse like oh i naturally just live in that mode so much so writing the material just comes from that uh i don't know i mean, i think it's like i think it's what i i think it's what i am and then i think the fact that i've just been doing stand up for a long time allows me to be aware of moments that are funny uh quicker or you know what i mean like sometimes you'll see something funny but like you won't be able to identify that and so that's just a lost moment i think you know what i mean (laughs) like i'm sure lots of funny stuff happened to most comics and then they you know the younger ones will focus in on maybe a big crazy moment like oh she was talking Mm -hmm. dirty to me and then i was like what you know like it's just such an obvious weird thing that she said something weird in the moment of this weird act whereas i don't know the more you do a thing the more you're able to identify maybe the subtler moments in your life Mm -hmm. that are funny yeah like when my I guess the most recent example is when my wife told my daughter, my daughter crushed a bee and she was sad. And then my wife was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's in heaven now. And then I was like, are they though? Cause like <laughs> there have been millions of bees yeah. and they die like every three days. They've been around for millions of years. So there's been true. There's so many bees. If they all go to heaven, heaven is bees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's like just my wife saying a little thing that's like normal that I think a lot of people probably say to help their children understand that it's okay. Um, but because I've just been doing it long enough, I'm able to be like, oh, that's actually 
a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank God, or else we'd all have to be fucking destroying our lives constantly to like find anything worth commenting on. Yeah. <laughs> I also do a thing that's like, um, it's like a storytelling technique. Uh, I I was watching some guy, he did a TED talk, I forget his name, but the, basically the crux of it is when you want to tell stories, um, you, you only have like five big stories in your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. can only go through a coma and then get out of the coma, hopefully one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, you have your big stories, the mm-hmm. I survived this. Um, but then after that, if you want to keep telling stories, you have to focus in on, on smaller moments. And so, um, you know, he told a story about how he had to walk his dog early in the morning in the rain and he was just mad, but then he looked at his dog and he realized how old his dog was just in that moment. And he's, he's like, Oh wow, I could, this might be the last time that I walk with my dog in the rain. And he turned this like small moment into something bigger. And Mm -hmm. so I do a little exercise where every day I write in kind of a journal and I just focus on the previous day's moment of most. It's the moment that brought the most emotional reaction out of me. Mm. Uh, So, and then I just kind of talk about what I felt or like what I the air quality, just like little details of that yeah. specific moment. Um, and I think that's helpful with like this ops observing that you're talking about because it just like keys you in on like little moments in your life. So the technique being to focus on, I think of that stuff as there's a, a memoirist named Mary Carr uh, who talks about she she uses the word carnality for those like visceral details, just like anything that's like sensory, you know, taste, touch, smell, whatever, just like carnal, like you're really embodied, like not sexual, but just like in that moment. So like, yeah, the temperature, those feel like carnal details mm-hmm. to me. Is that the technique is both you're taking a little thing and then focus focusing on emotion and those sorts of carnal details, is that the technique? So there's something stuck with me out of it, out of the moment. So that's like the emotional thing. So I think back yeah. on my previous day and I'm like, man, I was like, I was sad or I was scared or I was mad. So like, that's the, that's the thing that clicks in my head where I'm like, oh, that's worth remembering because I okay. had this emotional reaction. And then I just try to, from that, fill in details uh, around it. Um, I don't even know if the, the light in the sky was as important as just the act of what was, but it's just something that I've chosen to fill in, maybe even as a exercise to not get dementia, (laughs) but (laughs) sure, totally. (laughs) But I just feel like sometimes those little moments, if you look at a memory and you remember that it was raining instead of sunny, that'll Mm -hmm. add you know, that'll add its own little depth to the memory. Yeah. So just sort of seeing what comes from those, from jotting those things down. That's the way of creating those smaller stories. Yeah. So like when you are able to look at what made you feel a certain way, I think if it's a bad thing, like if if I felt jealous Maybe mm-hmm. I can now identify what makes me jealous and what I can do to feel less jealous. Or if it made me happy, uh, you know, maybe that's a memory that I'll, I'll try to, I don't know, turn into a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like, uh, and then there's like memories where I'm like, I have a a change of, like paradigm where like I'll I'll be like wow oh so things are this way maybe I should change my life and do it a little different or something so a memory like that is like the other night I was hanging out with Tom Takar and he was just explaining his you know experience on the road 
and I, I'm often like, am I not doing enough road stuff? And then, mm-hmm. uh, just, that's just me not remembering what doing the road for real is like. Right. And so hearing it all said back to me from a person that I view as very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me almost check that box of that's not what I want my life to like to be. And so like to focus on, you know, kind of what I'm doing where I, I have some, a job that keeps me in the city, keeps me financially. Okay. And then just working on my creative outlet, you know, in a local fashion. (laughs) Yeah. In a way that I enjoy. Well, you're you're leading very smoothly into my last big question for you, which you unknowingly referenced already. I know unknowingly because you said you haven't listened to the podcast. No <laughs> but I will the now. Question, yeah, the question is, what's your coma? And that is a reference to the big moment I had where I was in a coma for a month. And, and that's like a really big, honestly, it's kind of a hacky uh, thing of me to have done (laughs) where it's very obvious. Like there's sure, of course there's going to be like a before and after moment there, but it can be any moment where before you were one version of yourself and after you were another can be very mundane. Uh, So, yeah, what what would you and and I think people have a lot of them, but what would you say is one for you? Uh, man, I hate to just like throw all of my big moments into like this drug category. <laughs> <laughs> I do it's drugs okay. like once a year. There is right, but like, well, that seems more likely that it's like yeah, if you make them this special thing where it's like once a year, like of course these would be like yeah important moments yeah i mean i i yeah but like i think like a major trajectory for me like was i was i went to thailand after college and i was working in this vet clinic um doing some community work with my friend mike and then the vet gave us acid and it's the first time i've ever done acid and vet as in like veterinary or like yeah the vet the okay. veterinarian okay and uh, he gave us dog acid. No, <laughs> can you imagine if there's <laughs> no that acid's just for dogs? <laughs> uh... <laughs> so we had we did ask me and my best friend, and mm-hmm. so we we had like a, you know it was a very good profound night for us. We started at 10 p.m. and we went all the way till I don't know. By 6 p.m., I had not been able to sleep, um, which was pretty uh, unnerving, actually. But but after doing that, I realized where I was. I was just looking at the ocean, and I was like, there's no – I'm on the other side of the world from my, you know, my family and my my dreams and everything. And I I just realized that I – I just wanted to go back and I wanted to like start my life. I was like, you know, it was just right after college. So I had, I was like, I haven't even really been alive. I've just been in school <laughs> and now I'm in the other side of the world. I want to be, I want to like get started on and like actually take a step toward the things that I dream about, which at the time was stand up. And okay. so, uh, Honestly, booked a flight that next day and, uh, you know, for, you know, I, I didn't leave the next day, but I, I booked my, I made my plans the next day to come back to America and then move to Chicago to pursue, you know, what is now my whole life. So like everything I think that's happened to me came from just that split second 
it was almost like that's like the big bang or whatever, where it was just like, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I miss my mom <laughs> and I want to start my life. I was like, I can't even access my mom right now. Sure. You know, like if I wanted to talk to my mom and I can't even, I don't I can't even call her cause like cell phone, I would have to go to like an internet cafe and right, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was in a, it was a weird moment where I was like, I, I just feel like I'm in limbo. I have, and I want to start. And so I immediately just like, you know, I moved to Chicago. I got home and I moved to Chicago that month. And I, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up kind of all over New England. My parents were living in Tennessee at the time, which is a place where I, I never really lived. Yeah. Um, so I just, I flew there to my parents' house and then I went to Chicago. I stayed in a hostel and then I found an apartment and then I, I didn't have any friends there. I just kind of knew that I wanted to get started and that was like where I wanted to start. So then, but it all kind of starts with that one catalyst where it's like, all right, I'm, I want to start. So that was that flight you booked before that Thailand was like an open-ended trip. It was an open-ended trip, and we were... Okay. And now, in retrospect, probably should have remained an open I would have loved to travel more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And now I have a kid, and I can't really do that. Um, but I can't just felt, fly off to Thailand. <laughs> sure, totally. But you felt like it was a um, a distraction of some sort, or 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 a... What did you call it? Like a not a, a distraction, limbo. just yeah, limbo. I okay. I was just kind of like aimless, and then I mm-hmm. I just the whole time I was writing bits in a mm. in a book, and I was like, I need to, I I just need to do something. What made you feel the need to go into the limbo in the first place? If you were writing in a notebook this whole time. Um, I think it was that thing where it was like, I've been going to school my whole life, you know, like mm-hmm. you go to school when you're five all the way to your basically 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I want to do anything else. I just need a break from, I wanted a break from everything. And so, so many people just get into careers when they get right out of college. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of that is necessity. I didn't have any student debt because my parents were able to pay for my education. Um, If I had debt, you know, that's like a different thing. So I was like gifted this moment in time where I I had money from my summer job and I uh, was able to go and do this I was like, I, I can do anything right now and I should do something. And so I was there for a few months and then I was like, all right, I, I've, <laughs> I get it. You know what I mean? You can only be aimless <laughs> for so yeah. long. And, and it, a part of that is because most of my time in Thailand was spent on the same island working mm-hmm. as a vet, which is not what I want to be doing. Right, uh, right. So it might have been different if I was like, traveling all over the world and seeing new things, but also it might not have been because I think you can, you can travel and see and, but eventually you do feel this need to, uh, like reenter a life again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just where I hit my, my wall. If you had a, the money to travel, how did you end up in a, you know, an employment situation on a single island in Thailand. Ooh, it's a long story. And it's actually the closer of that album that you were talking about earlier. Uh, oh, the, uh, is that what the, I, I saw that the track title was like cat, cat C section. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I go into all the details there, but okay. it was okay. basically my friend started a nonprofit in Thailand and she needed help. And me and my friend Mike wanted to, we were like, we're game. And then we got there and then expectations were (laughs) flipped a little bit. 
And then, right, you find yourself, yeah, just now I'm a vet in Thailand. Yeah, we were supposed to work with children and schools and all of that fell through. And then this was the oh, opportunity. Wow. It was like a crazy, <laughs> like we were already in Thailand and she's like, we're yeah, actually yeah. not doing any of the things that I said we're going to do. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we kind of had to roll with that. Was that part of rocketing you back to life was the disappointment or the the change of expectation there do you think i mean yeah for sure definitely everything that i was doing was like not what i thought i was going to be doing um and the fact that i was on this like the vet was like this big drug guy and able to give us drugs (laughs) that i'd never i'd never (laughs) done any of them before so all of that was unexpected. Oh shit. Um you know, I yeah, everything I was doing was was unexpected. So it was like um I guess I guess maybe that uh accelerated the process mm-hmm. toward cuz it seems like the kind of thing that was going to like you were going to if you knew you wanted to do stand up if you were already writing stuff in a notebook this moment was going to happen at some point anyway. Yeah. Something was going to happen. I think just of this was like me, I had not committed to anything yet. And then suddenly I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, it was just like, you know, just like, I'm going to do this now. And then I went and did it. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Dave on Instagram and click on his website to find links to all of his albums and specials. I think you'll I think you'll enjoy him. I hope you enjoy the show and tell people about it. If you are able to enjoy it financially, to enjoy it through financial support of me and the show, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You can join for five bucks a month or fifteen bucks a month. No matter what level you're at, you will get access to all the bonus stuff on Patreon. So, thank you for listening. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Miracle.